0: Good morning, morning, kids, Sunday school time, your teachers are in the back, have fun, think about Jesus, think about baby Jesus today, (laughs) what a song, I get to come up and kind of talk about peace today a little bit. After that song, it kind of touched my heart. So anyway, uh, I'm, my name is Brad, if you don't know me, if I haven't met you, I'm one of the associate pastors here, and today as we move through our Advent season in preparation for cel- celebrating our Lord's, Lord's birth, I'll be speaking on peace on the subject of it. Uh, I want to talk about baby Jesus. I know that's jumping the gun a little, but bear with me, I won't wear it out. So, my wife and I have a miniature nativity scene uh, that sits on our fireplace hearth at home. And uh, my granddaughter set it all up and I'm always amazed. Anyway, it, it, it's a cool little thing, you know, you know how a nativity scene. And it has baby Jesus sitting in the middle of it, so nice. And uh, all of the cattle around him and everything, it's a nice picture. But anyway, the problem with... Baby Jesus sleeping on my hearth is that he's in the midst of terrorists. Now, I have two dogs (laughs) named Bella and Bogey, And between them, I think that their tally is up to about 20 grand of destruction. They've ate a couple sets of furniture. Uh, I have found pieces of projects that Darlene has sewn out in the yard, earplugs, pieces of cloth, paper, uh, you name it, they'll eat anything. But baby Jesus sitting in the middle of my living room, and I was sitting in my chair looking over there, and I was amused that he looked so calm and serene in the midst of these terrorists. <laughs> and they hadn't they hadn't afflicted him. They hadn't absconded with him. <laughs> and so it made me think, and I started thinking about that, how he lays there so peacefully in the midst of a great threat. It made me smile and think about how you and I can experience peace and serenity as well, even when the dogs are at the gate. The grace that comes to us through faith enables us to set our minds upon our Father's great love and find peace and rest from our enemies as we experience his closeness. And so I'm gonna talk about that a little bit today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Pray that, Lord, as we come together in your spirit, that your word will reach deep into our heart and reassure us and speak to us in our place of need where we can find peace, Lord, in the midst of a time when even the dogs are at the gate, Lord, and we can find peace, calmness, and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in Micah 5, 2, this is an Old Testament scripture, and it says this. I'm I'm gonna read two passages of scripture and then I'm gonna kind of Fill them in, if you will, and open them up. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2 through 5, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, sorry, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. The majesty of the name of the Lord his God. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world. And he will be the source of peace. Now this prophecy was written 700 years before this event that happens in Bethlehem and i want to call your attention to the part where it says yet a ruler of israel whose origins are in the distant past will come to you on my behalf our faith rests in a savior who was before t- before anything was even created he existed already we know that now but before the advent of jesus they did not know that and they were as as history was unfolding and the prophets were speaking and God was working in the earth, he was building this story. And, he was, uh, uh, and so we have these prophecies, we have these actions, these activities that God did. Uh, and it began, the foreshadowing even began in Genesis 3.15 where it says this, in Genesis 3.15, in the very front of the, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, it says, I will cause hostility. This is God speaking to the enemy, speaking to the devil that has been cast down. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and, begin, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And so this, this conflict as a result of sin was introduced into the world and it has a good purpose that hostility is there i know that's hard to hear but that's what it says it says and god said i will put that i will put that affliction between you i will put that hostility there and then so we have all the way beginning with genesis and then we have all of the activities of god preserving his people preparing them to receive the messiah We have the foreshadowing of the patriarchs. We have uh, such things foreshadowing would be like uh, Cain and Abel. You know Cain was the second born son, Uh, Cain was the first born son, Abel was the second born son. Adam it says in the New Testament was the first born, the first born son. But Jesus the second born if you will becomes the spiritual Become spiritual life to us, so this so we have all of these foreshadowings that are like that. we have um, <clears throat> the promise of of Isaac to Abraham and and the waiting the long waiting period that Abram, Abraham had to wait, Abram had to wait until and he was changed and transformed, and then he conceived also Ishmael first and then Isaac the promised son and so You you, you follow my drift. There's this foreshadowing all through the Scripture that is in preparation, and so when Micah speaks this word in the middle of that, and it comes to pass in the birth of Jesus, we can come up with this understanding: our faith does not rest in a in a myth or a fable that was contrived and built. No, we have the surety of all of the history of mankind through the Holy Scriptures. Our faith rests in something stable, rests in something that has continuity to it, that has purpose. And that's important. And so we also have Moses and the law and things like the Exodus and the Passover that lead us to confidence, to being confident in our faith. In this son, this ruler who's going to come that will be our source of peace. And we're going to need to be anchored in that. And so we study these scriptures. The prophets delivering direct promises. Much like this one. Uh, Isaiah especially talks greatly about, uh, you know, we have Emmanuel and all of the prophecies of 15, 16 chapters of Isaiah that pretty much frames Jesus' actual life on the earth. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's irrefutable if you honestly approach the Scriptures and look at it. So, we have a sure thing in the Scriptures, a sure confidence that we can stand on when we look to the story of Jesus and what He has done. Because, you know, our minds, our minds can really play tricks on us. <laughs> You know, we get into difficulty, struggle, conflict, and what happens is we get so rattled, we get so moved off of what's, what's the, off of what we're standing upon that we began to wonder. I don't know if any of you have ever seen like a miracle happen. This is an interesting one. If you see a miracle happen, about two minutes later, your mind starts playing again. No, it didn't happen. Nope, didn't see it. You know, person was sick, now they're healed. Nah, I think it was, uh, I don't know what that was. Psychosomatic thing or something. Her mind starts just warring against what you've just seen. That's how fickle and frail we are. <laughs> so, so, anyway, Jesus is the source of peace. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, in Proverbs 16, verse 7, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, even though God has instituted this conflict... It's for our benefit. Gotta let you think on that for a minute. I know, I know how that sounds because it, it's been such a hard thing. It's like such a hard thing to understand affliction and suffering when, when we read in the scriptures about all of these powerful manifestations that God can do. It robs our peace when our faith gets shaken And so we do well to understand our faith is anchored in something that has always been the mind and heart of God, to understand Jesus at that level. And so anyway, our faith is not resting like I've said before upon cleverly um, devised myths, historical redactions, modernized fables, or human philosophies, but rather upon the eternal Word of God, that comes from heaven and manifests itself in the created cosmos that humans inhabit. In other words, heaven breaks through this realm of God's presence. There's something there in the, in the garden where it talked about this cherubim with the flaming sword has put a wall, a boundary. God has God separated because of our sin, separated this heavenly realm from this earthly realm. And there's, because of, the, because of the affliction that's upon the earth, there's actually enmity between these two realms that exist. But our faith rests upon God's eternal word. Nothing else. There isn't anything else. There's nothing in this world that will bring our healing. There is no amount of human endeavor That will solve the problems. There is no amount of learning or theological inquiry that can take us to the place of life and healing. That alone occurs in Jesus, baby Jesus, (laughs) if you will. And we'll get to that in a minute. So, to live by the Spirit is to live by that eternal Word, the Word brought forth in baby Jesus. Our faith is based upon divine promise and faithfulness. The fulfillment of prophetic scriptures, it should should build in us a confidence of faithfulness. And God calls us to faithfulness. You know, if we have a hard time with trust, we should probably look to our own faithfulness. If we have a hard time with trusting God... What are we, are we looking at? Are we looking at ourselves and making a, a judgment of God? Or are we looking at his eternal word that resonates with faithfulness? That's enough about Micah. Let's read Luke 2. Luke chapter 2 tells the story of Jesus' birth from Luke's perspective. And it says this. In verse 8, beginning at verse 8, running through 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and a radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? All of a sudden, you know, the angel appears. Light shines all around. What an event. And then that's not enough. Let's just peel back the rest of the veneer and let all of God's armies be standing there singing. What do you think that sounded like? I don't think it was like a little choir that we sing. I think it was like Niagara Falls. The sound of many rushing waters. Now, I haven't experienced it, but I've listened to some old Pentecostals talk and Methodists talk from back in the day. used to be they'd have these campfire worship times, and all of a sudden it was almost as if that you could hear angelic choirs. That's what they called it. The angelic choir sang with us. And I was like, what? And I, I, had to, I had to ask Chubbins was one. She used to come to church here. Chubbins says, yeah, twice in my life I've experienced it. And I'm going, you're kidding me. What is it? And she says, that's what it sounds like it sounds like a harmonious waterfall. So, I've not experienced that. But I'm just saying, these guys did. You know, they did. And so anyway, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us. They go to check it out. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, you think, (laughs) And and, and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She treasured them up, the events that had happened, everything from the Annunciation to her. Mary kept storing up all of this stuff. That's just amazing. I think we should do the same thing. All of these events that happened in our life of God's wonderful touches. And you know, we should remember those things and rehearse them with stories. I like to tell stories. I tell my stories, everybody gets them whether they want them or not. All who heard the shepherd story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It's interesting that the angel appeared to shepherds and not kings. Shepherds are separated lowly servants, stewards of vulnerable flocks. God has a special place for steward for stewards for shepherds. For those that look over a group or a flock. And that's who these were. It wasn't kings. Affluency is probably one of the greatest challenges we have to the Christian faith today. As the world gets richer and richer and richer, we seem to find our way farther and farther and farther away from the simple faith that is required to find fullness of life. The challenge of wealth and riches is great. And America is a rich and powerful nation. And it wars against the simplicity and purity of the gospel message. Angelic activity we can notice here. It precedes or accompanies divine activity. Here the proclamation draws attention to the fulfillment of Micah's prophecy, among others. The baby is the promised king of peace. This is what the angels are saying. This is the source of peace. This is the one in Micah. They would have understood that. But we need to understand that too. And if you want to understand the ways of God, you need to learn to to listen. We need to listen spiritually. What can we hear? What what is the sound? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us through all of the struggles that we're in, through all of the afflictions we're experiencing, through the wars that are there? What is He saying? In times past we can look at different movements where God has spoken. There's always enunciations. There's always the beginning, the rumblings, the talk that begins to go out. And then what happens? And then God's move begins to come. You can look at it and see it all through time and history. It's all through the scripture. God announced what he was going to do. He told Moses what he was going to do. He told Abraham what he was going to do. He, tells every, he always speaks to us. He always tells us where he's going and what he's doing. It's not like, you know, it's a guessing game. We have his presence. If we turn to him. So we see here too in this story that heaven is breaking in. It's moving past whatever spiritual boundary that God has placed to maintain separation between the holy and the profane. And it's loud. And it's joyful. (laughs) It's a foreshadowing of this torn veil between the holy of holies and the people of God. This angelic event that peels back for just a moment and allows the the glory of God to be declared from the heavens because there's going to be a reconciliation of all of us, us and them. There's a proclamation of peace. For a brief moment, heaven kisses the earth. It's a movement of tender intimacy that happens right here. God has come as a vulnerable baby into a very hostile world where dragons and kings wish his demise. And the sooner the better, in their opinion. Revelation 12.4, if you're wondering about dragons, you can go read about that some other time. The dogs are near. The lions roar. But the angels declare peace. Heaven declares peace and goodwill to men. God's peace to us shouted shouted from the heavens 2000 years later we can find peace and dwell in it jesus said in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world john 16:33 the view of the world from where we currently stand this is what tribulation looks like the tribulation that jesus said would be present with us we would be full of fear Now, I know this sounds funny. I laughed myself. Back years ago, there was a guy that, in his hubris, named Saddam Hussein, who made a declaration. I will loose the mother of all wars. And Arsenio Hall on late night TV says, what, we know the Three Stooges. He said he was going to poke the eyes out of the dragon, which is us. And Arsenio Hall made a mockery of it. But Saddam Hussein... Whether we want to realize it or not, much of the conflict that many of you have been affected by for 30, 40 years of war and terrorism was started right there. That was a war cry for jihad right there. And Saddam Hussein we made fun of him because we didn't understand the language. But he the no- he opened up the door for a lot of conflict, and he said, at that time, "America will become full of fear." That's what he said. They hung the right guy in my opinion, but that's just me. He was a lying spirit. But when we look at where we are standing here in our world today and we turn on the news and we listen to what's going on, we hear nothing but fear and demise. We sell it and make money on it, more money. We become more affluent off of the fears of others. It's such a lying spirit has gripped our means of communication and connection by way of tech. It's unfathomable. Nobody believes anything. We make a joke about our leaders. When their lips are moving, they're lying. and we're not far off. Oh, maybe I better dial it in. It's supposed to be a story about peace. <laughs> and baby Jesus. We hear about wars, and we sit on the precipice of World War III with p- completely devastating potential looming on the horizon, like pickup sticks or Jenga stacks or whatever. We sit in a precarious place, and we wonder what will be happening, and we're wringing our hands as we're buying and listening to this. We hear about environmental catastrophe, On a daily basis. Oh, the world's, I've been hearing that one since I was a kid. We were all going to starve to death, but we'd seen the movie Soil and Green, so we knew we were going to be okay. (laughs) Environmental catastrophe. Environmental catastrophe. Our children across the world are petrified, terrified, to the point where they commit suicide and refuse to have families and birth children. It's real, isn't it? Well, we can dismiss it, but it's real and it's in people's hearts. Where is peace? What are we looking at? Like the disciples in Jesus' boat, we're we're standing here in a roaring storm while Jesus is sleeping in the back. And we're looking at boisterous waves and we're terrified. Into the chaos we go. There's moral and ethical degradation. Good is being called evil and evil is being called good. There's war against the family, unless you think that's no small thing, it is. The war against the family, father, mother, children connected. The degradation of the black community in America goes back to one thing, affirmative action and the destruction, aimed destruction. Of black families in America. And you can trace it in history and you can see It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Go back and read it and really do your homework and you'll see. It's created a subculture that's dangerous and deadly and destructive to the family and to all our black brothers and sisters and the other minorities. And so we have a social justice, a perverted social justice movement that wants to try to tune and fix the worldly problems. But I'm telling you, The source of peace is in baby Jesus. That's it. I know this all sounds terrible and horrible. What are we to do? We're we're just like we're caught up. It's all bad news. The best thing about watching the news is it makes it easy to see what the devil's up to. I used to mock and laugh about it. I'd I'd sit down to watch the evening news and I'd say, well, let's see what the devil's been up to today. Just a, you know, it was a little game I would play. My wife would chuckle until it became all too real. Our angels proclaim good news. Heaven's news is always good news. Baby Jesus will become King Jesus. And King Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace results in human wholeness. When peace is poured out upon humankind, wholeness comes. And what is that? We were designed And created to be integrated with God Himself. The two were meant to become one. Marriage. All who hear His voice and put their trust in Him. Put their trust in His proven promises and faithfulness. Receive His very life into themselves. And receive and embrace peace. So, are we adding fuel to the fire or are we proclaiming peace? What are we about? What should we be about? I tell you what, I've been telling people look over there at your children and tell them everything's going to be okay. You'll be amazed, men, if you'll say that to your family. It's going to be okay. There's challenges, but God is with us. There are challenges, things we hold precious are threatened. But Jesus is on the throne waiting for His church. Never has there been a time like this to be proclaimers of peace and to advance the cause of peace. True peace, not peace that the world gives. Jesus said the world would always be filled with tribulation but that we should have good cheer because He has overcome the world. We put our trust in His promises and faithfulness and receive His very life into ourselves. Embrace peace. Those who receive Him are born again. We didn't wake up. We were raised up to newness of life. We are recreated with a new heart. Born to a lively faith. Given a spirit that overcomes the world as we cry, Abba, Father. Yes, that's what it's all about. Abba, an integrated family that flows from wholeness, peace reassurance, moral equity, justice. All of those things come with the embrace of Yahweh Himself as He's poured His Spirit into us. Our faith overcomes the world. Our faith overcomes fear. Our faith overcomes death itself. This is what the Word says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is our situation. This is where we're at. His peace is not peace like the world gives. His peace flows out of who He is. He is our peace. Just as the prophet Micah said 700 years before, just 3,000 years ago, he said it. He will be the source of our peace. Truer words have never been stated. Our faith demands we leave our hostilities with one another and pursue peace. Embrace peace and leave our hostilities to His justice. No retaliation allowed. You can't love and retaliate. You can't smack your brother down. You can't degrade him. Throw shadows on his character. We're called to lift up one another. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to speak the truth in love and to meet with action. Be present with them. We need in this present age to remember the kingdom he is building is not of this world. As far as this world is concerned, hostilities will never end. As a result of laws, smart men and women pursuing altruistic philosophies, the closest human efforts have ever come to peace is through tyranny. So we have empires with flags and eagles. Think about Rome or even Holy Rome if you really want to bring the religious aspect into it where we weaponize the Word of God and the movement of God and we establish unjust and oppressive hierarchies that do not lead people to freedom. But in and enslaved people, Jesus came to set us free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. In my heart, freedom from the hostilities, freedom from the necessity of hostility. The answer to the world's problems are transformation by the Spirit through evangelism, period. That's it. We have within ourselves the power to extend peace to those around us. Peace flows out of love. Live in God's embrace. Receive His kiss of fellowship. And that's really what it is. He is altogether good. Rest in His power and promise. People say, say, what are you doing? I'm trying to... I'm say, i working at learning to rest in His love and power. I just want to know His his love and power. Not my power. His power. I just want to rest in this place... And allow his spirit to heal and do what he wants to do. That's what I'm doing. That's what God is speaking to my heart. That's what I'm trying to do. And we have this promise. So we can live in God's embrace. The people around us will be irresistibly drawn to what you have and offer. Because it's beautiful. And vulnerable. And serene. Like baby Jesus on my hearth even though the terrorists are only a foot away. (laughs) He will give us peace. It's true. People clamored to come near to Jesus. Why? Because he exuded peace and love. He just exuded it. (laughs) He was beautiful. People were drawn to him. And so that's all I have for you. It's a bit of a hard word, but it's a good word. And a needful word. Stop listening to the devil, and start listening to Jesus. You'll do a lot better. His love will cast out all your fear. Now the worship team's gonna come, and we always have a prayer team that comes. If there's something that's stirred in your heart, you need peace, Uh, maybe God spoke to you in some way, please, don't neglect coming to prayer. Prayer is powerful, and Um, God meets us in that simple act of prayer, praying for one another. So please come receive grace. Amen.